I am unwilling to give up, that I will start over from scratch as many times as it takes to get where I want to be. I want to be. You just want to make sure you will get knocked down, but just make sure you don't get knocked out, knocked out. So your only choice should be go focus on what you can control, control, control. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Kara Golden Show. Join me each week for inspiring conversations with some of the world's greatest leaders, We'll talk with founders, entrepreneurs, CEOs, and really some of the most interesting people of our time. Can't wait to get started. Let's go. Let's go. Hi, everyone. It's Kara Golden from The Kara Golden Show, and I'm thrilled to have my next guest here, Stephanie Postels, uh, who is the co-founder and CEO of Mission.org. You may or may not know Mission.org, but you will recognize some of her podcasts, including the one that I was on called Up Next in Commerce. Uh, She also has a few others, Journey, uh, Story, and another one, IT Visionaries. So Stephanie co-founded and as I mentioned, is the CEO of Mission.org, which is kind of the umbrella company to all of these amazing podcasts, over 20 podcasts. Is that yep. correct? Amazing. Over 20. Very, very cool. And I'm honored, by the way, because Stephanie just informed me, although she is a bit of a star and she ends up uh, interviewing so many, this is her first podcast that she's been on to sort of share her yep. story of building her dream and vision. So I'm very, very honored to have you. In the hot seat. Yes. A little nervous. Yes. (laughs) Usually I get to ask all the hard questions. This time it's your turn. Okay. Well, that is, uh, I'm very, very honored to have you here. So so we'll talk a little bit more about how calling your company, the mission.org, is you've set your bar quite high for sure, which is awesome. And like so many other entrepreneurs that are out there, uh, Stephanie did not start off being an entrepreneur. She worked at a little company called Google and uh, did some incredible stuff there that I'm sure she'll get into, uh, but really looked at a lot of how the stories are really the things that create so many great businesses, so many great business models. You are getting these stories out. So I love, love, love that you were doing what you're doing and you've got a couple of other great uh, co-founders who are also Army veterans. I read up Mm -hmm. on them too, which is super, super cool. So really excited to have you on uh, to share a little bit more. So welcome. Thank you. Yeah, I'm really excited to be here. And yeah, thanks for the great intro. There's gonna be a lot of good stuff to talk about today. So tell me in your own words. So mission.org, you're you were sitting inside of Google, right? Like, and was there a little break in between you deciding that you were going to, first of all, like, yeah, talk about the mission or, and then we'll go, we'll backtrack a little bit on the story. Yeah. I was like, there's a lot of things that add up to it. So, I mean, mission high level, we're a media company. We have a network of podcasts. Like you said, we have 20 at this point. Um, And our goal is to, yeah, like lift up the stories of these executives who maybe are not talking about them enough. And so mm-hmm. for the most part, we're going after the, you know, the CMO who's been maybe at Disney for 15 years or something and doesn't have an interview or the person who's, you know, been the CIO at three Fortune 500 companies and you can't find anything on. And so when we started off building Mission, um, we just wanted to highlight these stories and create evergreen content that people go back, go back to and learn. And our thought was like, if you can sit down with, you know, 
this executive for an hour. That'll be way better than even going to business school. And so, yeah, we started in 2018 and um, we actually started on a platform called Medium. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you maybe know yes. of it. Okay. Yes, yes. So, yeah, we started back then and it was all in a written format to start. And so we started with um, a series called The Story. And that was telling the unknown backstory of people who changed the world. And we would leave their identity hidden until the climax. And we were writing these stories weekly. And I mean, it blew up. People loved it on Medium. All of a sudden, we started having all these writers writing for us. We were getting like 20 submissions or more a day. And I mean, of course, there was the time period in the begin beginning where my co-founder, who was also my husband, he and I were writing um, these stories hmm. and no one was watching and no one was listening and it was all just crickets. And then finally it was like, took off. And uh, we started thinking like, hmm, we don't really know if like this written format's here to stay. And I don't really like being, you know, tied to one platform. So what's next? And so this was 2017. We were like, why don't we turn this into a podcast? But podcasts don't make money. How do we make money? We should go to a big company and you know pitch this idea to them. They'll want to sponsor it. It's already doing well in unwritten format. And so we went to Salesforce and we just said, hey, we have this series called The Story. It's doing really well. Do you want to be the flagship sponsor of a podcast that will exist once we figure it out? And for some reason, they said yes. And I mean, the rest was history. They sponsored our first one. It won a bunch of awards. We had celebrities narrating it like Alec Baldwin and Jeffrey Wright. Um, and then we started seeing like, okay, there's a lot of other content we want to make. And we started meeting more people within the fortune 500 and connecting with them and amazing people. And we were like, why haven't you been, uh, you know, interviewed before? Why? Like, I wish everyone could hear this stuff. And so that's when we kind of shifted a bit, focusing on building out a network of shows and experiences and media for the C-suite, like focusing on C-suites and industries. How often have you thought about learning a new language only to be stopped by that memory of yours from the last time you tried to learn a language when it didn't go so well? Okay, maybe it wasn't a language that you were interested in learning, or perhaps all those poorly written textbooks in your sixth grade class weren't that well written after all. I have a great tip for you. It's called Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program around available on desktop or app, no matter where you choose to learn it or what platform you choose to learn on, Rosetta Stone works and it truly immerses you in the language you choose to learn quicker and easier than you ever imagined to. Maybe you're getting ready to travel abroad this summer and you want to learn a bit of Portuguese, let's say, before your trip. Rosetta Stone can help. I know this firsthand as I did just this before traveling to Portugal last year. I learned Portuguese through Rosetta Stone, and by doing so, I not only got a better grasp of the spoken language of Portugal, but it got me very excited for the trip itself before I went. They even have a true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation as you are learning too. They've got you covered. Rosetta Stone's trusted experts are the real deal. They've been helping people just like you for over 30 years, helping millions of people to learn Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and my favorite, Portuguese. The lessons are five to 10 minutes long and include practical exercises so that you can pick up the language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. 
no English translations either, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in the language you are focused on, helping you get the long-term retention you are looking for. And who wouldn't want that? Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the Kara Golden Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today today. In today's world, which I will admit can at times seem filled with too much of the wrong information, it's essential to find a good source that truly gets to the heart of what I want to know. I am super excited about our next sponsor as I've been a big fan of their content for some time now. That sponsor is the Washington Post. Their depth on topics from business to tech isn't just impressive, it's essential reading for me. Whether I'm catching up on the latest tech trends or understanding how the day's news truly impacts my family, the Washington Post is my trusted source. Let's talk specifics. Their business and tech coverage, absolutely top-notch. Just imagine having the most insightful articles at your fingertips, including the unparalleled AI reporting from Drew Harwell or the pulse on tech and online culture from Taylor Lorenz. And the best part? You can listen to articles just like you listen to this podcast, making it perfect for your busy lifestyle. I was just reading an article from one of my favorite Washington Post writers, Frances Stead Sellers. She covers entrepreneurs like myself, but also covers other interesting topics, including health, as well as some very interesting books. I also love getting their For You newsletter, which is their roundup of stories tailored just for my interests, right in my inbox every evening. The Washington Post app is super well done, I think, and makes it incredibly easy to stay up to date and follow my favorite journalists on the go. And if you ever thought that the Washington Post is just about politics, think again. They cover everything under the sun, from climate and culture to crosswords and cooking, providing a world of surprising stories and vital insights. Okay, enough of the love fest that I have for the Washington Post. Here's the deal. Being a listener of the Kara Golden Show has its benefits, and this one is too good to miss. Now is the time to sign up for the Washington Post. Go to WashingtonPost.com slash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. That's 80% off their typical offer. So this is truly a steal. Once again, that's WashingtonPost.com backslash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. And so that's what we've been building ever since. Um, so yeah, we've got, you know, like you mentioned before, marketing trends where we're interviewing CMOs of the Fortune 1000. We've got IT visionaries or CIOs. I host the podcast. You came on up next in commerce, talking to e-commerce leaders. I mean, there's many, um, but that's our focus now growing, um, not just podcasts, but video and um, experiences in general for these people. So that's the high level about mission. I love it. That's so great. And you worked at Google prior to co-founding the company. So how did you, you have co-founders. How did you guys all get together? I mean, I feel like I have to back up before Google days because Google was kind of the middle point of it. So okay. 
before Google, I mean, I had like a, a big love of finance and, you know, trying to always find ways to make money mm-hmm. <laughs> because I realized early on that I didn't want to ever do hourly work really. Like I was like, that's just not my thing. Like, I don't see how to get past this and how to, you know, arbitrage it and make more. And um, I mean, I think that really stemmed from like thinking back to like my childhood when I was like little with like my dad yeah, and um, he had back when I was six, something called dad's bank. And his whole point was he wanted us to invest money in dad's bank. Like we couldn't do it in normal bank. And so he was like, every time you get your birthday money or, you know, you are doing chores or you're out helping a neighbor, like if you come invest in dad's bank, um, we'll write it down in this little notepad. You give me the money. And then every month, he was giving us 10% compound interest, but you had to sit down with him and you had to do the math. I love and it. And so you sit down and like every month I'm like watching my 10% like really compound where I'm like, damn, this is like growing a lot. I mean, and he did this with us up until we were probably 15. Like, I mean, it got big to a point where he's like, all right, kids, take your money back here. I can't keep compounding this anymore. Um, and so he would do things like that. And then he would have things at Christmas where he would have dad's store and you'd have to take your money and go in and buy something. And of course it'd be like discounted prices, like, you know, a watch for my mom would maybe be normally $50 and he'd make us spend five, which at the time still felt painful giving him $5, but it was always like, there was always transactions and always learning, you know, how to either save money or make money. I love and it. so, yeah, I had this love of finance always growing up. And um, after college and doing a bunch of scrappy jobs on the side and bartending and all of that, I went to Fannie Mae, which is, you know, like a mortgage company. Sure. And I mean, coming from Eastern Shore, Maryland, where I grew up, even getting across the Bay Bridge, like into DC was like a big deal. So at the time I was like, man, this is great. Like I'm working in finance. I was in this like rotational program and it was very boring. It was not what I thought it would be. I had like a very different idea of like what my finance degree would get me. Um, so I started tinkering a lot because I was like, I mean, I would do my work and I'd do a great job and get great ratings for a while. And then I would just still be bored. And I would get home at five o'clock and be like, what should I do? And so um, at the time it was my, I think he was still, no, we were married, I think at this point, or no, not married, still boyfriend, uh, Chad. And we would just start businesses. We mm-hmm. went to the Virgin Islands and we saw this cool bracelet where you know, if you had like an outward you sign, it meant you were single. And if it was inward, it meant like you were taken and we were like, brilliant, let's bring it back to the US. And so always tinkering with things that didn't work. I mean, they definitely, you know, lots of failures. But then after all these little tinkering things that didn't really work, things started getting a little shaky at Fannie Mae. I was kind of having some issues with one of the managers there. She really didn't like me. Um, and it was one month that all the executives, like literally like the most senior people, I mean, imagine a bunch of older dudes, like 50s, 60s, all of them get laid off and me. And I was like, basically kind of an intern. I mean, I was in this rotational program. I was like, you know, a junior person. And it was honestly the best thing that ever happened to me Mm -hmm. because I don't know if I would have jumped anywhere else for a while because, you know, I was like, well, this is like, People look at this job and it's great and you're making good money and you're working in DC and whatever. Um, but at the same time, I was talking to Google. This is how it gets back to Google. So I, so I was kind of bored and uh, just like looking on LinkedIn and stuff and a recruiter reached out to me and said, hey, we saw that you've done all these side projects. I mean, they didn't care about Fannie Mae. They didn't even like reference my finance background. They were like, 
we see that you've built some apps and that you're you built this iPad magazine and uh, we want to talk to you. And so it was perfect timing because they flew me out and I told them, I was like, I got, I just got laid off. And they were like, that's fine. <laughs> I don't care. And so I interviewed with 10 different teams there and got offers from most of them, but picked the one that felt most startup-y to me because I was just thinking like knowing me and I get bored quickly, no matter what it is, if I get put into a company that feels like a process, I just know I won't do well because it, that's exactly kind of what happened. I was yeah. put into a process. I was writing housing papers. I was writing SQL queries. Like it was just very process oriented. And so I picked um, the Google Maps team to go in there. I was one of two finance people and I was managing a billion dollar P&L and I was uh, working on divesting a satellite company called Terabella and they were like, had no processes. And they were like, Seth, we just need someone to come in and you got to play finance, but you also have to play product and you also have to like do, go travel and like work with these engineers. I mean, it felt all over the place. Yeah. And I was like, that's my style. Yeah. Perfect. And um, what so a that great point, experience, though. Yeah. I mean, it was it was great at the time of getting laid off. I was like so sad. Like it was the saddest thing, packing up my box, all my other like coworkers looking at me and just being like, oh, this is the ultimate failure. Like I remember thinking like, what do I tell my parents? They were so proud of me, like working here. And um, like, they didn't really understand a lot of the side things I was doing. They were like, really like, you know, at Thanksgiving, like Steph works at Fannie Mae, <laughs> like so proud. And, but now I look back, I'm like, that was just the best thing that happened because I don't think I would have ever chosen to, you know, leave my whole family in Maryland and fly out to California and, and live something. there. And yeah, and I mean, I think, look, it's as Steve Jobs used to famously say, I mean, you know, the dots eventually connect if you allow yourself to go back and look at it. And when you're yep. in it, when you're yeah. in those hairy times, like you just think it's the end of the world for sure. But yep. I think it's, a, you know, such a great example. So the co-founders, I mean, basically the co-founders, your co-founders, how did you, were they at Google as well? No. So my original co-founder was um, at the time, my husband, now my ex-husband. So Got it. Chad. Yeah, okay. so we had always been doing businesses together. Um, like when he, I mean, that was kind of how our relationship even started. He was in the military and he had been deployed, you know, to Iraq and Egypt and he had been in there for a long time, eight, eight to 10 years, I think. Got it. And so I met him back at my college town. He was like, you know, bartending at some random house party and I met him. And then soon after, like six months later, he got deployed. And the way that we stayed connected on his deployment was through side projects. And so when he was gone, we were working on um, an app called College or Not. And so it was basically an app that you could pull up, pull up your degree and see like, what is the ROI of this? What's the industry like looking like? It's Are amazing. salaries increasing? What can you get with that degree? Oh, you're getting a psychology degree. Here's all the negative percentage you know, of the wage and how long it takes you to pay back your degree, uh, like your loans. And so we built this whole app of like what we wanted for college. And so we worked on that when he was deployed. We started an, um, an education iPad. It was called Education Magazine, iPad Magazine. And I was out interviewing educators. I mean, some pretty high profile ones and I'm surprised that they said yes to me now. And I was writing the articles and he would do the design and then we would publish it on the iPad and charge a subscription price. And so we just had always been working together on stuff. So when it came to um, mission and of course, we were already working on that together. When I went to Google, we started writing on Medium. He's like very creative and he was writing. And um, I was more of like, you know, operations, finance, get it done, hire the people, hire the team. Um, 
bring it all together. And he was the more creative, like, you know, make sure the storyline's good there. And um, so, yeah, we just started that while I was at Google because even though Google was great and fun and amazing, of course, I mean, it was like, if I didn't do what I was doing now, I'm like, I would definitely go back to Google. Yeah, such but a great experience. You always get that itch. You're like, I just know there's something else I sh- could be doing and want to be doing that's mine and um, with no constraints. This episode is brought to you by Gusto. These days, we have the ability to work from anywhere. While I like the flexibility remote work provides, having a management software that handles payroll, benefits, and all the things I need to know to make me feel at ease as a business owner is so key. Here's where Gusto comes into play. Gusto makes it all happen. Gusto's all-in-one HR platform is a game changer for growing businesses. From full-service payroll and benefits to team management tools and more, Gusto makes it easy to support your employees and your business no matter where you're working from. Being organized is the key to every successful business. Gusto provides insights to inform decisions around workforce costing, competitive compensation, and employee engagement. So all those tough decisions you need to make every day just got a whole lot easier. The best part? Listeners of The Kara Golden Show get three months of Gusto for free. Go to gusto.com slash Kara. That's right. If you're ready to experience a new bar for HR, get three months free at gusto.com slash Kara. This episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Solutions. One of the questions that I get asked quite frequently is what should people be highlighting about themselves in their career description and in their business content online? Let's talk first about what I'm seeing people talk about on the place for business conversations online. And that, of course, is LinkedIn. On LinkedIn, you can find out what people are most interested in as it relates to business people. Right now, members are talking about things like needing more flexibility around where they work, how we work, and even taking time away from work to focus on family or mental health. Those things should not stunt career development and growth. Instead, they should enhance it as we show up on our own terms. Members are even putting what's most important to them into their job titles with things like career coach slash activist. Professional is now ours to define, and our authentic self is our professional self. So if your LinkedIn doesn't reflect who you really are, update your job title now. I will be changing my update soon to founder slash author slash undaunted. Post your truth, show the world the authentic professional you, and join the conversations redefining professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn, welcome professionals. This episode is brought to you by Coinbase. Let's face it, at times, the world of cryptocurrency can feel like a secret club. With so many buzzwords being thrown around like Bitcoin, what's that other word? Ethereum? Dogecoin? The vocabulary can easily become overwhelming. Everyone everywhere should be able to understand crypto. Get in the door. Whether you are just getting started or a seasoned pro has been trading for years. Well, I have an amazing tool that I want to share with you all. It's called Coinbase. Coinbase offers a trusted and easy-to-use platform to buy, sell, and spend cryptocurrency. Coinbase supports the most popular digital currencies on the market and makes them accessible to everyone. They offer portfolio management and protection, 
learning resources, and a mobile app that allows you to monitor and trade securely all in one place. Whether you're just getting started or searching for a better way to access crypto markets, you need to check out Coinbase. Find out why millions of people in over 100 countries trust Coinbase with their digital assets. For a limited time, new users can get $10 in free Bitcoin when you sign up today at coinbase.com slash Kara Golden. Sign up at coinbase.com slash Kara Golden for $10 in free Bitcoin. This offer is for a limited time only, so be sure to sign up today. That's coinbase.com slash Kara Golden. Were you, um, so is your ex-husband still involved in the company? He is now. Yeah, he's back. He's yeah. back. Okay. He's back. That's, wow. Yeah, I mean, the company's been through a lot of ups and downs. And there was a time period of about a year or two that he was not involved anymore. So, yeah, he was struggling with PTSD. And back in, so the company started in 2018 and 2019 was fine. The end of 2019, some weird things started happening like oh finances are kind of looking weird and um you know disappearing for weeks at a time and being like oh let me just run this company um and at this point we had one kid um our now four-year-old Grayson mm-hmm. he was born in 2018 like kind of like early starting of the company he was always on me strapped to me I'd be like listening to podcast episodes at night and feeding him and um I relate so, yeah yeah, I know. That's why I, when I heard your story about, you know, four kids, into yep. Whole Foods, I was like, oh, that was literally me. <laughs> I totally relate. So, yeah, but that's great. So he's back in. And how do you what does he do? What is how does he divide? So it's still kind of new. Um, so, I mean, to go back to that backstory of the company, like so back in 2020, the company almost went bankrupt because of this, like just bad financial choices. Um, and so he essentially left and he went to get help and uh, didn't really want to be involved for a little while. And so I took over and was running it because at the time he was CEO. So I took over CEO, uh, but I had to lay off more than half my team because it was December uh, 2019 when I looked at our bank account and I couldn't really stop anything. So at the time I didn't, you know, I I just couldn't have enough, like I didn't have enough financial control. And I looked at our bank account and it was $2,100. Our payroll every month was almost two hundred thousand a month, and so I looked at that, and it had depleted quickly. <laughs> like yeah. it was fine one month, and then all of a sudden it wasn't. And I was like, I don't know what to do. And so I put in a personal loan of my own money for part of it, and then I went to one of my best friends, and I was just telling her the scenario, and she was like, "I'll write a check." And I was like, "You shouldn't, because this company is on the way out. Like there is no way to escape this. We don't have any money. We're in a ton of debt that was racked up within these past three months." I mean, crazy amounts of debt uh, that I don't even know how to get get out of. Yeah. I think I may have to do bankruptcy. I wouldn't put in money into this company. And I was like, but I do want to get my employees past Christmas. That was like my one thing. I'm like, I can't lay them off, you know, December 22nd. And so she's like, that's fine. You'll be good for it. Either in this lifetime or the next, you'll be good for it. I already know. I know you and I know what you're going to do either this time or the next company. Like, it'll get figured out. And so she put a loan in. I put a loan in and... uh yeah, we're able to get through payroll. And then I laid off half my team. Uh, so it went from like 20 something people down to like 11 and hmm. went to all of our clients and said, hey, either this company is going down or you need to be in a one-year contract. If you still want what we're giving you, I have half the team, 
but I think I can do it, but I need money up front and I need you to be in a one-year contract because I cannot get any loans unless you are in a longer-term contract. And if not, then we can't work together. And all of them agreed. And That's amazing. Helped. And yes, yeah, since then, I've been building it back up. And now, I mean, I'll say the bankruptcy, almost bankruptcy time period was actually honestly the best thing that happened because it allowed me to be like reorient what kind of people do we want on this team like what matters here uh how do we work with our clients and our sponsors what's important you know company culture wise and i essentially got to rewrite the entire company for like what i thought was important and so fast forward to today 2022 um my now ex-husband chad is back and he is helping again i mean his title is chairman and co-founder and so he's helping with, you know, different things within the company. Um, but yeah, I mean, he went and he got the help he needed. He tapped into, you know, psychedelic therapy. So I'm a big proponent of that. And it helped not only mend, I mean, now we also have three kids. Like at the time when the company was going bankrupt, uh, two months later, I was having my twins. And so wow, that was a whole nother thing. Crazy, but, crazy, yeah. crazy. So yeah, wow, that's yeah. amazing. You have been through an incredible journey and, and your company is still so young. I mean, I but know. it's like, but you've really, uh, I think, look, what doesn't kill us makes us stronger. As I always, mm -hmm. you know, say, I think that that's a, a testament, just what you just shared for sure. So what has been the most surprising thing in starting Mission that, you know, I, Actually, I was talking to an entrepreneur earlier today who had reached out to me and we ended up getting on the phone. It was interesting because he went and ended up getting a lot of people in his industry. It's in the beauty industry from large companies. And mm -hmm. the first thing I thought is a lot of overhead, right? Yep. The, getting these people in, but also a lot of those people don't really know the scrappy, right? The yep. the. I mean, the zero to 1 million, right? Like, yeah. it, which is, I, I'm sure, you know, and you don't see that when you're working in these large companies either. So mm -hmm. it's not like you worked there at the early days of, of Google yeah. where you didn't see them trying to make payroll and all of, you know, those times. So what do you think is, is kind of the thing that for people who are thinking, oh, maybe I'm going to go start my own company that you just didn't know? Yeah, I mean, I think, what you said was also a very interesting point around when you think about hiring. I mean, it's different from when I was first starting the company, like zero to 1 million. I feel like I focused on hiring a certain type of person that was more loyal and scrappy and, you know, could learn quickly. I mean, we hired two people when they were back in 2017. Our first two hires were these two 17 year olds that they were doing, they dropped out of college and they're going to do this other program. And we met them and we we're like, wow, you, you both are really smart. And that they're still at the company today. Wow. And so even through, I mean, and these were two people who, when I said, hey, I might not be able to pay you for a month. And they were like, that's okay. And, I, and at this point I was also like, hey, I may have to go start another company because this one might be gone. They're like, that's fine. We'll follow you to that one. And so like the most amazing. loyal, amazing um, people, like I think in the zero to 1 million range, that's what was really important to me of like finding those people who could learn, who could wear multiple hats, who I can one second say you're on sales. Now you're the editor in chief. Now you're my chief of staff. Now you're a producer, you know, oh, jump in and help me host this show. Like that's what was important then. After 1 million, I feel like now um, I'm having to look for a different style of employee because I mean, I've always, I'm sure you've heard the saying, like what got you to a 
one million totally. will break you afterwards. Yeah, yeah it's and you the can't scale. It's the yeah, yeah. And so now I'm looking like okay, five million plus. What are these founders doing in the five to ten million range? Like, how are they hiring people? And it's definitely quite a bit different. But I still think looking for the people with the scrappy mentality. Um, where we've ever struggled before is when we hire people who, you know, honestly, like a me coming from a Google where they're like, okay, let's talk about, you know, all these things that I had at a prior company. And they don't, they don't understand the hustle of like, you know, the fact that this company's even here and can pay you is honestly like an amazing yeah. feat. And so, you know, asking for all these other things as if you can compare to, you know, a Google or, you know, a huge tech company, like I want to find the people that can still respect uh, what's going on to even have this company existing. And so it's a different kind of hiring. It's looking for p- people who can also withstand like a wartime mentality mm-hmm. that, you know, is okay when shit hits the fan and still are ready to help and not run. And then, yeah, I also feel like hiring people who have like this positive mindset. Like I'm sure you've seen it, how totally. one person can infiltrate the org in a positive or a negative way. Yeah, And so just kind of especially with everything, you know, everyone working remotely now, realizing like how important that is more than ever is an interesting to think about day to day of like, how do we keep our environment fun and flexible, but firm and like, you know, get done what we need to get done, but also like still have like a fun time because I mean, the whole point of building this company was to build like, I mean, when we set out to build it, we said, we want to build an infinite game and we want this, we want to build a company that is a game that we just want to keep playing. Mm -hmm. We don't want to stop. And so we want to also find employees like that of like, this is a game and we can make it what we want and we can make it as fun as we want, or we can be here and struggle every day. Like, yeah. How do you want to play? I, I think that sort of goes along with, I remember when I was first building Hint, I, and the first people, I think it was shortly after, maybe we were not quite a million. Um, they quit and they went and took another job. And I remember thinking, like somebody had just cut off my arm, right? Yeah. That it was just, yeah. it was so sad, right? I felt yeah. like you I take had, it so personally. Yeah, like <laughs> I had failed and, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not creating, we only had, you know, five people at the company or something, but I had, I wasn't yeah. creating the right fit and yeah. all of these things. And I always tell people that, you know, you have to trust that these people know who they are, right? Mm-hmm. And what they need. Um, yeah. And I think that, the other thing is, it's kind of a miracle. I mean, first of all, you had no experience in the podcast no. industry. You had no. other, rel- like smart, you're a smart cookie, right? You're doing other things. But the fact that anybody even came to, I was in tech oh, yeah. and then I started a beverage company. I'm like, come on, we're going to start this thing and we're going to Whole yeah. Foods. I have no idea what I'm doing. The fact that even one person showed up mm-hmm. and said, okay, we're going to go and create this category of unsweetened flavored water. And why should they trust me at all, right? To go and and line up. So it's definitely in the early days, uh, you know, just be grateful that they even, that even one person came to help, right? And that they, you know, dealt with, you know, probably not as much money as they could have made somewhere else. All of those oh, fun sure. things, uh, you know, and definitely I, I'm sure you have those stories too. Has the mission changed of your company since you first started? Yeah, I mean, when we first started, we were definitely a bit more, say, consumer focused. I mean, you know, the the two our two first podcasts, The Story, which I mentioned, um, and then Mission Daily, those mm-hmm. are two first. Both of them were pretty consumer 
focus. So Mission Daily, you know, my co-founder and ex-husband Chad and I would sit down on the mic every day and talk about books we were reading and talk about Michael Crichton and talk about Jim Collins. And, you know, uh, and then we would also do interviews with people too, like CEOs in the Valley. We would bring them in. We had a studio in Palo Palo Alto that was also our house. And I mean, these executives would come through to be on Mission Daily all the time because it was right along the route to work up to SF. So it was kind of a show, just what we wanted it to be. Um, And so it still had the ties of speaking to executives, learning from them, you know, the people who've been on the front lines and actually, you know, have the best war stories and um, yeah, just history to learn from. But then it was also catered towards anyone who just wanted to learn in general, like anything. And that was how the medium publication started out too. And so, and the story as well, you know, it's very consumer focused, anyone in the family, I mean, families were listening to this podcast together on their ride to school and to work and that's when we started seeing more of like, okay, media in general, um, it's, it has a big opportunity to not be based, like not show these executive stories in a way that they currently highlight them. Like right now, I mean, you know, working, you know, founding hit, you probably got on these media experiences that were full of gotcha questions and, um, you know, just trying to like, Oh, what can Kara say that we can get her in trouble for? Um, and they just, to us, it was always around FUD, like fear, uncertainty, doubt. And that's like how they were getting people to even watch this. And the more we started seeing that, the more we were like, we want to do the opposite. We, um, I mean, you've been on our show, so you see how it is. Like we want an executive to come on and we want it to be the best experience they've ever had in a way that they also want to open up and tell us stories that are actually helpful to all the people who want to learn. Totally. And so we did start to shift a bit, um, focusing more on executives and industries and like a little bit more niche just because we thought like if we can do a really good job with that and bring on the best people it'll help more people who really care about that concept because there's tons of podcasts that can you know focus on everyone but we're like there's not enough that focus on these industries and these executives and get their stories um and with that came you know the funding model of getting the right sponsors and uh just being able to have a lot more upside and a long-term relationship and not messing around with CPM deals and, you know, like consumer facing companies who just want to run ads for two days and see the metrics. And uh, yeah, they're not thinking long-term. And so we didn't want to play in that space because our whole point was like, we're building evergreen content. It can be here in 10 years and we still want it to be relevant. We still want it to be good. That's why it's not going to be news-based. It's not going to be what happened today. I mean, we want to get the best tips that can help anyone you know, years to come. And so with that, we want to find aligned partners who also have that goal in mind, who are ready to work with us on this content and, you know, um, assist us, not just through funding, of course, like sponsorships are nice, but like how else can we partner together to create a, like a long-term relationship? And so, yeah, that's, that's a bit how it shifted. That's really interesting. So what do you think, I mean, obviously the podcast space has grown a lot. Like how do you differentiate yourself and how do you get the word out? So you've got these sponsors for, you know, yeah. Salesforce, um, for, just as an example. But then how do you get the word out about what you're doing as, I mean, obviously you get great guests and all these, yeah. there's a lot of pull in that way. But what do you think is, I feel like there's going to be, there's a lot of people who have been working from home who are starting podcasts. And so it got oh, yeah. really crowded. And I think- yep you know, we'll go back into where some of those are, are stopping. They're not doing it yep. anymore. And 
whatever. Yeah. But how do you how do you grow your podcast? I guess is is sort of the the big piece. Yeah, I mean a lot of different ways because we've because we've been doing it for quite a few years. We've been able to experiment with a lot of things, and so I would say guests is a big one. I mean we have you know on some of the best guests in the industry where when they share it with their network. I mean, that's the best thing that can happen. Totally. I mean, when we had the CIO of Shell share his episode, it was like, blew up the shell. And because, you know, most of his other CTO and CIO friends have probably not ever seen an interview with him before. And so, um, yeah, same thing. We had someone on from Burger King, like he shared his episode and it's like, all of a sudden the, you know, fast food, everyone started following us and reaching out and wanting to be guests. And I'd say guest quality is definitely very helpful. Um, and hard to do because it just takes so long to book these executives. And I mean, we're putting out, you know, 15 episodes a week or something every week, nonstop. Like there are no breaks. Yeah. And so our team, I mean, bless them. They're amazing. They are constantly reaching out. I mean, we take about 1% of inbound 1%. I mean, we get a hundred emails probably every couple of days of people trying to come on as guests. And so, yeah, we take almost none because the whole point is like, if you're reaching out that hard, you already can go on every other show. Like yeah. that's why we do our cold reach outs to the people that we specifically want. So, yeah, guest quality is a big one, especially when they're sharing it with their networks um, and getting in front of other, you know, like-minded people. Sure. Um, and then we also, we still sometimes tap into medium. You know, we share our stuff on our publication. That's not really an angle that we do as much anymore, even though we still are a top publication on there and we get views and all that. But um, that platform's changed so much that I just... It's not really one that I want to rely on yeah. for anything, um, which you shouldn't ever rely on any platform, honestly. I mean, that's why now we're expanding. We're not just podcasts. That's why I say like, you know, we are a media company and we're creating these media streams and podcasting is a piece of it, but we're also on YouTube. And yeah. so YouTube is a great expansion place to be able to get found. Um, and like the advertising rates on there are much better than podcasting, even though, you know, podcasting, we're probably the best in the industry when it comes to what we can do, like cost per download numbers that we can get. We do a really good job because we're forming strategic partnerships with advertisers. We're not just, you know, going on any platform and just trying to run ads. We're not just using Google AdWords and trying to do that. Like we are building our own systems. We have our own demand side and supply side platforms that we're building and um, making sure that the publishers and everyone on there is very aligned. And usually it's through custom reach outs. And so I feel like most of our business is through very custom relationships and reach outs, whether it's with guests, whether it's with advertising networks, whether it's newsletter partnerships. Um, it's a very custom approach to make sure that, you know, we're only getting in front of the exact people we want to get in front of. And then we can show after the fact that we did just that. That's awesome. I love that. That's a super great lesson. Cause I know I get asked that question a lot. And, um, yeah. I think a lot of the organic growth definitely is, uh, it, it, it happens as you mm-hmm. get higher quality guests. I, I also think like something that you and I talked about before the podcast started, sound is so critical. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. And so if you don't have high quality sound, yep. it really makes a difference. And yeah. um, that's where we saw our numbers go up significantly when we actually focused on the quality and making yep. sure that everybody has the best quality and all mm-hmm. of that. So I think that's another really big key one. So I would, as I mentioned before, I was fortunate enough to join you on the Up Next in Commerce, which I love mm-hmm. the experience. So the podcast yes. is out there now. You definitely can listen to it. Um, so 
what's going to happen to podcasting going forward? I mean, what's, what yeah. is the, you're doing 15 shows a week. You're cranking <laughs> these out. I mean, yeah. what do you think people are looking for that are listening now for podcasts? I mean, obviously you seem like you're really listening and going with the trends and mm-hmm. very curious to hear what you think about, you know, what listeners are really looking for. Yeah. So, I mean, I will caveat it with saying like, you know, we are in a very different industry. Like I'm not looking into crime dramas. I'm not, you know, even listening to news podcasts. So I can't really speak to those areas just because I'm so focused on business and tech, honestly, like those are like tunnel vision on those areas. But for those, I mean, one big area that we're betting on is video, which, you know, you know, your the podcast that I did with you is all out on video now and we have trailers and clips and, um, that to me is where the future is headed. Mm-hmm. And I think that if you're not doing video now, um, you'll regret it because a lot of the podcast players will start to, um, like you will be at an advantage if you have video. If you think about Spotify, like right now, they're already starting to show video um, on the players themselves. And so if you don't at least have it to be like, oh yeah, you want video? Here it is. Here it I think is. it'll, yeah, it'll hurt you in the long run because I mean, if you think about it, like very basic as a consumer, if you imagine are listening to Spotify and you're able to open it up and be like, oh, that's what that person looks like, or, oh, I want to see, you know, who the guest is just having that there. Don't you think that's a better experience than just Apple podcasts, which, you know, you can't even get that option. And they're definitely probably not investing in that. And they haven't really invested in podcasts to begin with. So I think that Video for sure is, I mean, people have been already saying this for a year or two, that's the way of the future, but I mean, I'm definitely seeing it now. And that's why all of our shows are on video. And then um, a lot of them are going to be having short snackable content. Like all of our sponsors um, are included in that as well, but like they're all getting maybe one to two minute teasers from each episode. And um, I mean, those, the consumption rates, you know, people are finishing the entire thing. Yeah. And so that's amazing. Why wouldn't you want to, you know, be doing that? And also, um, it's fun. I mean, you pick the best part of it and you really get to highlight, you know, the person's personality in a way that maybe they're not going to sit around for a whole hour, but they might want to hear, you know, two minutes on their thoughts on the iOS, you know, updates or whatever. Like, I'd And you're showing that, that where on social? On social, on YouTube. Yeah, everywhere. That's great. Um, so yeah, I think definitely focusing on video and yeah, uh, like authenticity, I think is a big one going forward. Um, just figuring out like, how can you hop on video? Cause you've seen a lot of video interviews where you're like, oh, cringeworthy. Like, I don't even want to see you guys on video. This is just like, not yeah, good. Yeah. Like, how do you, you know, make sure that your guest is comfortable so that you can get authentic content? Because totally. I mean, what we're seeing now is that consumers, I mean, they want to see the most authentic content. And I, even if I would say like, even if the quality is not that good, I mean, when we started the company, we had such a high bar for audio quality. I mean, like at this point, we're still shipping some of our guests' mics. And I mean, we have the best mics that you can have. And um, quality was very high. And I'm actually now seeing that kind of like, you don't need to be as high if it's more authentic. Yeah. And so if it's first person shot and you're putting something on YouTube, um, it maybe doesn't have to be as good. If someone's just like, yeah, that's that's Kara. She's doing her thing. She's cooking meatloaf. And she's telling us about like, you know, building her business. Like you might not have to have the best quality. Um, and you're seeing a lot of ads right now doing the same thing. I mean, I was on like our smart TV the other day, there was a first person shot ad and it looked just like a TikTok video. And apparently it's done really well. And so I think thinking through, you know, how do you make sure that the content's authentic um, and it's like cross-platform? 
like never focusing on one platform. Wow. So many tidbits here. You have me thinking for sure. And I loved just hearing about the obstacles that you've overcome. And I think that definitely there's uh, a clear direction that I'm hearing that you just have to go figure it out and you have to figure yeah. out how to move forward, um, which definitely is something that I always talk about. So thank you so much for coming on, Stephanie. Again, I'm so privileged and honored that you chose us to come on yeah. for your first one. So, <laughs> so great. And thanks everybody for listening to this episode. Uh, where can people find all of your, is it mission.org? Is, uh, yeah, people can go to mission.org, check us out. I mean, we're everywhere. You can go YouTube, Spotify, Apple, our website, um, or find me on LinkedIn and say hi and reach out. Definitely. Yeah, and your YouTube is really, really great too. So uh, oh, definitely thanks. everybody check it out. And please subscribe to The Kara Golden Show. Give this episode five stars. Those algorithms uh, really love those five stars. And the more uh, we get, and definitely for this episode, for Stephanie's episode, uh, definitely it really, really helps. And you can find me on all social platforms at Kara Golden. Uh, also, don't forget to pick up a copy of my book, Undaunted, where you can hear a lot more about my journey and building my company. Who knows? Maybe we'll get Stephanie to write her book at some point. <laughs> one day. Uh, one day along the way. Uh, and we're here every Monday and Wednesday. May actually be adding another day very soon. So we'll we'll see. We're in discussions about that. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. And goodbye for now. Thanks, Kara. Before we sign off, I want to talk to you about fear. People like to talk about fearless leaders. But achieving big goals isn't about fearlessness. Successful leaders recognize their fears and decide to deal with them head on in order to move forward. This is where my new book, Undaunted, comes in. This book is designed for anyone who wants to succeed in the face of fear, overcome doubts, and live a little undaunted. Order your copy today at undauntedthebook.com and learn how to look your doubts and doubters in the eye and achieve your dreams. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free case of Hint Water. Do you have a question for me or want to nominate an innovator to Spotlight? Send me a tweet at Kara Golden and let me know. And if you like what you heard, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow along with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Kara Golden. Kara Golden. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.